0: Really squeaky, live in a money pit. money pit. If your basement needs a pump, or your place looks like a dump, live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home, sweet home. I call it 888 Money Pit.
1: The Money Pit is presented by Pavestone, Home Advisor, Greenworks,
2: Bonide, and Sense. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: On a beautiful May weekend, we are here to help you with your home improvement projects. Give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Got a great show planned for you this hour. We're going to talk about kitchens. You know They can feel like Grand Central Station, right? I mean, whether it's the food being prepped, All the electronics being charged or those car keys that get dropped. The countertops are the part of that kitchen that bear the brunt of all that wear and tear. So we're going to share some tips on the most durable and easiest to maintain countertops just ahead.
3: And are you trying to enjoy the warm weather outside, but noisy neighbors or street traffic are making it difficult? We're going to have a natural solution so you can get some peace and quiet.
2: Plus, it's a great time of year for outdoor projects, and if you want to step up your space, we're going to have some tips on the easiest and most affordable way to create grill surrounds, fire pits, benches, and even outdoor kitchens by simply stacking blocks.
3: And if you give us a call at 888 Money Pit, we're giving away a great product that can help keep all that pesky wildlife away from your beautiful gardens, flowers, and trees. We're sending out a gallon of Bonide's Repels All to one listener who calls us with their home improvement question at 888 Money Pit.
2: You want a shot at winning a gallon of Bonides Repels All? Keep those deer away. Those are the ones that are attacking our house. They eat our bushes every single year. But now we put this Repels All on and they don't bother. Just don't like the taste and the bushes look fantastic. So if you are dealing with situations like that, give us a call right now. You might just win that product. 888-666-3974. Let's get to it, Leslie. Who's first?
3: David in Alaska's on the line getting ready for the endless summer. Lots of light. You need some help hanging some drapes, huh?
4: <laughs> <laughs> I've got an apartment in an old building. It was uh, built in the early 70s for uh, the military. It's uh, a big cement building. It's a place called Whittier, Alaska. And uh, people have hung up curtain rods so many times there that uh, all of the drywall is now gone. It's just, you know, lumps of plaster put up there. And I'm just trying to figure out a good way to anchor it.
2: What's under the lumps of plaster? If you go
4: far enough, it's cinder
2: block. Okay. Leslie, what do you think about just going right through all that soft stuff and using a Tapcon fastener?
3: I mean, that's probably the easiest way to do it. And Tapcons do really the best job of adhering to any form of concrete or solid rock. It is a special fastener. It's a special attachment for your drill driver, but it will work and it will do the trick. And I mean, you do need to get some sleep.
2: The screw is designed to go into masonry. So you're just going to need to figure out how long it has to be. But I think if you attach those brackets with a Tapcon fastener, it would be a long, thin screw. Then it's never going to come out and it'll hold those quite sturdily. Tapcon, T A P C O N. They're generally available at hardware stores and home centers.
4: Okay, all right, excellent.
2: I'll give it a shot. All right, good luck with that project. Yeah, you know, we actually did a project with uh, Tapcon fasteners where we were hanging vinyl shutters on on a scout house. Actually, the scout house was made in a concrete block, so that's exactly what we did. We put Tapcon fasteners in all the vinyl shutters, and you know, even though it was only very light vinyl, the screws held them very securely so the winds and the rain didn't tear them off.
3: Now, Tom, do you ever find that when you're using a TAPCON, you have to put like a piece of wire or something into the hole so that as the TAPCON goes into the the stone or the concrete or whatever it is, it has like a little extra to grip onto?
2: Sometimes I, I've had to do that if I'd used lead shields, which is the other way to do that. You know, if you're drilling in a concrete block Um actually I was hanging a sign at the same project, and we were using lead shields. And sometimes when you drill for the lead shields, the drill gets a little sloppy and big. So what we did in that case is just to hold the lead shield in place. We took electrical tape and wrapped around the outside of it just to make it a little thicker, and then it stayed in place because then as you drive the screw or the bolt into it, it expands and becomes really, really tight. So sometimes you have to fill the holes with a little bit of something just to make it bite until it can get in deeper and do its job.
3: All good tips, but definitely the right tool to use. Judy in Louisiana, you've got the My pit. What are you working on? Hi, I uh, was asking about mildew
5: and mold on brick. How do I get it off the easiest way? I mean, it's outside. How do I get it off the easiest way without damaging the mortar?
2: So there's a variety of products out there that can do that, uh, and these Cleaners essentially saturate the mold or the moss or the mildew, and then they break down the fibers, and then rain essentially washes it away. They're slow working. It's not like you're gonna, you know, do it once and it will be done, uh, but it will get clean. So there's products like spray and forget or wet and forget. There's concrobium. There's, uh, Zinzer has one and you know all of those products are basically a side that are designed to to kill that material. I used them on a roof of a shed last year that was literally totally covered with moss and I just happened to notice this past weekend as we were out doing some work in the yard that I could see all the shingles again as if it never existed. So it just basically melted it all away. So that's the way to do that. You can pressure wash some of that off, but if you do it, you just have to use a gentle pressure washer so that you don't uh, destroy the surfaces underneath. Good luck with that project. Thanks for calling us at 888-MONEYPAY.
3: You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT, presented by Home Advisor, the fast and easy way to find the best home service pros in your area. You can read reviews and book appointments all online. And just ahead on the Money Pit, do your countertops look like they could use a redo? Well, we're going to share some tips on the most durable and easiest to maintain countertops after this. You live in a Money Pit.
1: The Money Pit is presented by GreenWorks Power Tools. Make life easier with battery power. Optimal performance without the cost and frustration of gas. Save time and money with battery-powered GreenWorks tools. Visit GreenWorksTools.com to learn more.
2: Making good homes better. Welcome back to The Money Pit, home improvement show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: Give us a call right now with your home improvement project at 1-888-MONEY-PIT, presented by Home Advisor, The fast and easy way to find the right pro for any kind of home project whether it's a small repair or a major remodel, I did a minor remodel this weekend. This yeah, what you were gonna? And about? I think it's a good example of how you can repurpose and reuse things that may be lying around your yard. In my case, there was a patio that was broken up many years ago, and I'm talking like 20 years ago, and it was broken up into these concrete sort of squares that were roughly like 18 inches square. Well, I had like a little stoop I had to build for the back door of my garage because it's like slightly below grade. And I had done it about three times at a pressure treated lumber and it kept rotting. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do this one more time and I'm not going to do it with wood. And I was able to take all of those squares that had been sort of stacked up in a back corner um, of the yard for, for years and had like, I growing on them and stuff. And I'm like, I'm going to go dig those out because I think I could make use of them. And sure enough, I used about about 10 or 12 of them, Built nice little stoop, little retaining wall around it, and didn't cost me a dime. And so that's just one example of how sometimes just what you need to take on a project could be just lying about in your house, or in my case, (laughs) in my yard.
3: (laughs) You never know where you're going to find a good treasure.
2: Hey, give us a call right now if you've got a home improvement question now that it's so beautiful out. If you're noticing wildlife or loving your property as much as you are, you might want to think about adding the Bonide Repels All Animal Repellent to your to-do list. We've got a gallon to give away this hour. It's an all-natural product. It protects the desirable plants and structures for up to two months, and it's battery-powered for easy application. It's worth forty nine ninety nine. Going out to one listener, drawn at random, make that you give us a call right now at one eighty eight Money Pit.
3: David's on the line and needs some help with some spring cleaning. What can we do for you today?
4: I need to get a power washer okay. to power wash my house. What PSI should I try to get?
2: Yeah, they come in a wide range of of, uh, of PSIs or pounds per square inch. Number of things you want to consider. You want to consider the PSI, also how many gallons per minute. The pressure washer is going to deliver uh, the size of the motor. Is this going to be gasoline or electric th- electric pressure washer you want to buy?
4: I don't know. I'm open to suggestions.
2: Electric's going to be a lot less expensive and, and easier to maintain, as long as you can, you know, get a cord uh, around the house where you need to to use it. And there's a new one out from Greenworks that's there. There's They had different PSIs, but I, there's one that's in the 1800 range. It's under 200 bucks. It's a nice machine. Okay. And the other thing that we like about it uh, is it comes with five different types of nozzles. So if you're, you know, doing a gentle surface like wood siding, you use one. And if you're, you know, blasting away grime on concrete, then you use another one. And if you're cleaning the rims on your car tires, then you use a different one. And they all store on board. And there's also a soap tank, which is super handy. So those are the kinds of features and power that you want to evaluate. But, you know, something in that area is very general purpose. And it can do a really good job in all of those areas around
4: the house. Okay, and and the second thing in the rear of my house, I have a little mold on the vinyl. Does using a regular bleach cleaner will that just work, or do you have to get those special ones that say mold?
2: Yeah, I mean you could mix up a bleach and water solution for this, or you could purchase a mildicide. There's a wide array wide array of uh, of house wash products out there. I know Simple Green has a good line of them for example and you're going to want to apply it to that surface and let it sit for a bit and then if again with the right tip on the pressure washer you can wash vinyl siding without any fear of damaging it but if you use the wrong tip you're going to shoot holes in it so just get used to the machine and and it can really do all these jobs for you
4: okay so bottom line what what psi would you suggest i get
2: I think something around 1800 is going to be fine for most general purpose house cleaning
4: okay Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much for answering my question.
2: You're very welcome. Well, kitchen counters serve as the work surface for family life. I mean, it's where we prepare food, we eat family meals, maybe even pay the bills and and help with the homework. But that's why choosing a material for those counters that could stand up is really important. So, if you're ready to replace your counter or you're doing a new kitchen, here's a few things to consider starting off with natural stone.
3: Yeah, you know, natural stone is probably one of the most popular choices out there. People love the look of natural stone. It adds richness and depth to the space, and it really makes it a great choice for kitchens and baths. Now, granite and quartz have become sort of the gold standard of late. They're both beautiful, but both can be very costly. A small bathroom, though, can provide the opportunity for a luxe-looking makeover on a budget.
2: Now, solid surface countertops are another good option. They look great, and they offer a bit of design flexibility because they can be custom-made to fit your needs. I mean, look, if you have granite quartz, you can be custom-making those, but you can't get, you know, too custom because it's rock, right? But with solid surface material, you have a lot of flexibility. I mean, we have these countertops. And they're durable, and they're stain-resistant. They're easy to install, and they're affordable. The only downside for us was we made a bad color choice for the sink, don't use white sink when you live in an Italian household. It didn't stand up well with tomato sauce. Uh. And we need to keep the, uh, the bon eye handy to always scrub it clean after, after a big meal.
3: I mean, that's a good point, though. You have to be careful with the surface that you pick and the type of messes that you make. Yep. Now, if you're a do-it-yourselfer, ceramic tile really has the most size, shape, color, texture, and pattern options out there. It's durable, it's stain-resistant, it's easy to install, and it's affordable, but that grout does need some help. It needs to be sealed so that you prevent staining. Finally, butcher block, it's beautiful and natural, but it really does need a lot more care than I think people think or know to do, especially because you've got to prevent the absorption of E. coli bacteria. So easy to keep and have, but you have to take care of it if you choose to do the butcher block.
2: 888 Do you have a kitchen project on your to-do list? Thinking about taking, you know, this time of spring, we start thinking about kitchens. Summer, we get more motivated. And September and October, we are great guns, all, you know, fast forward, Full speed ahead. Let's get it done before Thanksgiving. So now's the time to start planning. Give us a call right now at one eight eight money pit
3: Sharon in Illinois is on the line who's dealing with a lot of leaky copper pipes. Tell us what's going on.
5: We have a concrete slab for our home with copper pipe in it. We've been having some leaks, some bad leaks, and have paid, paid a plumber a lot of money. And he mentioned that there was a year that there was some defective copper pipes. And I'm trying to find out what year.
2: Are you suffering from pinhole leaks? Is that what he said? I believe so, yes. Pinhole leaks is a condition in copper plumbing that's caused by the acidity in the water. And the problem is that there's not a lot that you can do about it short of replacing your pipes. Okay. It's something that develops slowly. And the strategies for uh, dealing with this are to either repair the leaks as they develop or to simply plan and budget for a major upgrade of all of the parts of the plumbing that you can actually get to. Because over time, they're only going to get worse.
5: Yeah, well, we fixed the leak on the south end of our house, and now today we finished the leak on the north end of the house. But, you know, I just wondered if there was some... We've had two... Two other structures that was built on a concrete slab that have never had one problem.
2: Yeah, it's not the slab. It's, it's the acidity of the water. If you head over to our website at moneypit.com and you search pinhole leaks in copper pipes, yeah, you will find a detailed article that I put together on this a couple of years back oh. that will give you all of the different types of pitting that are associated with copper pipes. But it really has to do with the pH and of the water. water. Mm -hmm. Well,
5: I just thought maybe, uh, as the plumber said, he said there was a year that there was defective copper, rolled copper, and we thought, well, maybe that was the year this house was
2: built, you know. I don't think it's necessarily um, a specific year of defective copper. I think it's just the the pH of the water that's going through those pipes that's causing it.
4: Thank you,
3: sir. Jim in Tennessee is online and is dealing with some bees. What kind of bees are they all over? Are you getting stung? What's happening?
4: Uh, We have a log cabin. Uh, east tennessee and shortly after we built it we started having a problem with boring bees Ah, so these are these are giant bumblebees that uh so far have not stung anybody
3: they have big black shiny tushies and they can drill a perfect (laughs) hole in all wood surfaces five eighth inches around
4: they've decided to make our cabin their home as well and about this time of the year, we're inundated with thousands of bees. We've had exterminators come through, and uh, nothing nothing seems to eradicate them.
2: I don't know what, what material they're applying, but usually the right pesticide will prevent them from coming back. What they're basically doing is they're drilling holes in wood surfaces, and then they go in those holes and they lay eggs. And then they just kind of let them sit there and hatch. Now with the right types of of uh, pesticide usually there's a powdered pesticide that they actually put into the holes and around there that will that will uh, stop that. Now is it happening in the logs themselves or is it on like the fascia and the trim?
4: No, it's uh every pretty much everywhere. Wow. Yeah, uh, it's in the log and it's it's in the fascia and trim as well.
2: Yeah, because uh, the fascia and the trim, you know, I I had some fascia and trim like that that was getting ravaged in a garage, and I and I got tired of treating it every year, so I just replaced it with a composite material. And it was funny because the first year after that, the bees kept sw- flying around it like thinking, "Hey, it looks like wood, but it doesn't taste like wood." So, <laughs> they eventually gave up and didn't come back. But uh, it sounds to me like you're just not dealing with the right type of pest control professional because i don't understand why if they're applying some of the standard products that are out there which you can't buy by the way because they're not over the counter that these bees keep coming back
4: right well we we have a home contract for a pest control company right. and we've had them uh, since we built the house and they've they've applied treatments several times but uh It doesn't seem to really eradicate the bees.
2: I can't give you a specific pesticide, but I will tell you that insecticidal dust is typically what works best. It has to be applied to the holes, even inside of those holes. And then once it's inside of them, you do not want to seal up the holes. You want to let it sit and do its job. And then after the season, so to speak, then you should seal up the holes because if you don't, They'll come back, but you want to make sure that all the bees have been killed. Because if you don't make sure they're all killed, they'll just keep drilling to find new spaces. Because you you know sealed off the ones that they had. But if you apply the insecticidal dust, that will do it. And then after you have it all sealed up, then you might want to think about staining or or um, refinishing those outside surfaces because that will also discourage bee infestation. Also, you know, it's typically paints or stains with any kind of a varnish. Uh, they're not going to like the taste of that stuff. Okay. All right, great. All right. Yeah, good luck with that project. And thank you again for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
3: Thanks so much for calling the Money Pit. Hey, when you open your windows to bring in fresh air, does a bunch of noise come with it? This old house landscaping contractor, Roger Cook, will be here with a natural solution for some peace and quiet next.
1: Money Pit is presented by HomeAdvisor.com. You'll never have to worry about overpaying for a job. Just use their true cost guide to see what others paid for similar projects. Then get matched to top-rated pros, read reviews, get quotes, and book appointments. All for free at HomeAdvisor.com.
2: Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm
3: Leslie Segretti.
2: Give us a call right now with your home improvement project, your decor dilemma at 1-888-MONEYPIT presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Never worry about overpaying for a job. Just use HomeAdvisor's true cost guide to see what others paid for a similar project. It's all online for free at HomeAdvisor.com.
3: Now we've got Stan in Oregon who's dealing with a hot water issue. Tell us what's going on. it doesn't come out that great or that hot. What's happening?
4: It comes out, but it just it just makes a lot of noise. It does a lot of spitting uh, like there's air in the lines just uh, you know when you purge the line sometimes and and uh, then you put the pressure back on it takes a while to get the air out. It makes the same kind of a sound, and it only does it on the hot water side and it does it in every faucet in the house, Uh, the tubs and the sinks, all the same, only on the hot water side.
2: Does it do it when it's off for a while? Yes. Now, what kind of water heater do you have? Is it gas or electric? It's electric. Okay. Uh, Have you checked the heating coils? No, I haven't. Sometimes if you have a bad heating coil, this can be a condition that occurs. Is is this fairly new in terms of uh, you seeing the air spurt out of of the faucets?
4: No, it's been like that. I just bought the house about a year ago. Okay. And the house has been sitting empty for about two years. It was a foreclosure that I bought. Okay. So I... I have no idea.
2: Here's what I would do. Now, there's an easy way to test this, but you need to kind of know what you're doing. So it, this might not be a do-it-yourself project. All right, I'm warning you because it involves electricity. Uh-huh. But the way you check an electric water heater out is you turn the power off at the panel, and then you expose the the you open you take the covers off so you can see the coils. And then what you can do uh-huh. is with a continuity tester, you can check each coil to see if the power passes through it. You have to take one wire off of one side, otherwise. You'll be checking it sort of backwards. Uh, but you can check continuity on each coil to see if the coils okay. are working. So you'll still have hot water even if only one of the two coils is working. Right, but uh-huh. but you'll run out quicker, and, and and this may be the norm for you. Maybe you don't know that you're only using your water heater at, at half its capacity. But I would check the coils first because that could be what's causing uh, so much air to be in the system. It's just not heating the water enough.
4: Thank you. I appreciate your your time, and thank you for the information. Good luck with that project. Thanks
2: so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit.
4: Well,
3: road noise assaulting your ears day in and day out can really wear on your nerves and interfere with the peace and quiet you want to feel when you're at home.
2: But if you would like to muffle the noise before it even reaches your walls, you might want to consider adding trees to create a natural and a beautiful sound barrier in your yard. Here to tell us how is This Old House landscaping expert, Roger Cook. Welcome, Roger. Thanks for having me. So many people use fences to quiet a yard, but that can only
6: help so much, right? Right, because there's restrictions on how high a fence can. Be. The great thing about using trees is there's no restriction on how high they can get. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's a good point. So trees reduce the perception of noise by sort of creating a visual barrier between the source and the hearer. But people are also less conscious of noise if they can't see the source, right?
6: Exactly. It's a study that was done that says if you can't see where the noise is coming from, it mentally blocks some of the sound. That's interesting. You can't, can't see it, it doesn't exist. Right. right there you go. Yeah. <laughs> But noise is noise, and it's very interesting how it can weave its way through different things to get to where you want to be.
3: So when it comes to placement of these trees, do you want it to be closer to the noise source, closer to the house, or can you go right in the middle?
6: Right in the middle is probably the worst spot. Ideally, you want to be as close to the noise source as you can.
3: Well, I think in your ideal mind, you want these bushes or shrubs or trees, whatever you're using, to be really close to one another, but you've got to give them the proper space to sort of grow into their own, right?
6: Well, it's a fine line on what you want to accomplish right away. And you can pick certain types of trees that will grow upright so that they will grow into each other and become a living hedge, which could get 8, 10, 12 feet tall and Mm -hmm. really knock down the noise. If you pick out trees that get too big, then you're going to end up pruning off some of the branches, which will let the sound through again.
2: Right. Now, when it comes to choosing the trees, I guess you want to decide if you're going to have a deciduous tree that's going to leaf in the spring and the summer or an evergreen that's going to be green all year round, because without the leaves, you're certainly not going to get the same kind of sound protection,
6: right? Right. So it depends where the noise is coming from and what's bothering you. Are you out on your patio when this noise is bothering you? And is it different in the winter? If it's just when you're out on the patio, then you could use big deciduous trees with large, large leaves on them to knock down the noise. If it's something you're trying to, like road noise, you're trying to block all year round, then you're better off going with evergreens. Now, before
2: you make that final determination, I guess it's important to know your hardiness zone.
6: Yes. You know... there is a USDA map that shows everyone's hardiness zone, and you want plants that'll survive and grow well in mm-hmm. that zone. So it's important to pick out the right plants for the right spot.
3: Yeah, we used Leland Cypress to do this in our yard. Yeah. And, I mean, it's amazing how tall they've grown over the 11 years we've had the house. They've been 20 feet tall consistently you know, since about three years after we planted them. They're fantastic.
2: Right. But how's the noise working out?
3: Uh, those neighbors moved, but it was a, it was a really... <laughs> See, so they worked perfectly. It worked great, but I mean, it really was an excellent sound buffer.
6: Right, but if I plant Leyland cypress up here, maybe every four or five years it gets so cold they get knocked back or killed.
3: Mm. Really? Yep.
6: So we use Arbavite instead of Leland Cypress. So again, you really got to know your zone and choose the plant that's appropriate for your part of the country. Yeah, it's an investment. Like Leslie just said, they grow and they grow and grow, and they only get better and better. They really do. Knock down sound for wildlife and birds and everything else. So. Choose the right plant for the right spot. Great advice. Roger Cook from TV's This Old House. Thank
2: you so much for stopping by the Money Pit. Thanks for having me.
3: All right, catch the current season of This Old House and Ask This Old House on PBS. For local listings and step-by-step videos of many common home improvement projects, visit thisoldhouse.com.
2: And Ask This Old House is brought to you on PBS by Gorilla Glue. Still to come, we've got some step-by-step tips on the simple and affordable way you can create an outdoor kitchen in your very own backyard. It's all coming up. After
3: everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy having safe clean water is the last thing you want to worry about but unfortunately according to extensive research by the environmental working group three out of four homes in america have harmful contaminants right in its tap water
2: that's why we are thrilled to be working with Aquatrue.
1: The Money Pit is presented by HomeAdvisor.com. You'll never have to worry about overpaying for a job. Just use their true cost guide to see what others paid for similar projects. Then get matched to top-rated pros, read reviews,
2: get quotes, and book appointments. All for free at HomeAdvisor.com. Where home solutions live, welcome back to The Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now with your home improvement question at 1-888-MONEY-PIT, presented by HomeAdvisor.
3: You can get matched with top-rated home service pros in your area. Read verified reviews and book appointments online, all for free.
2: No matter the type of job, HomeAdvisor makes it fast and easy to hire the best local pros. And hey, now that it's so beautiful out, have you been noticing that wildlife are loving your veggie gardens as much as you are? Well, I've got a great product to give away that can help that. It's called the Bonine Repels All Animal Repellent. It's got all natural ingredients. It protects the desirable plants and structures for up to two months. And it's battery powered for easy application. It's worth almost 50 bucks, but we're giving one away to one caller drawn at random. Make that you. Call us right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT.
3: Cynthia calling in from Brooklyn, New York, is dealing with some wet basement issues. Tell us what's going on.
5: I have a question I want to ask you about the waterproofing for the basement, because I live here in a, in a flooded zone, and when we had a Hurricane Irene, I was greatly affected by that. Okay. So I had one company came in, and they, they were asking like 21,000, a little over 21,000 to do that waterproofing. Is, is that sounds reasonable or whatever going on there with that company?
2: Absolutely, completely not reasonable. Now, the water problem that you had was associated with the hurricane? Yes, yes. The reason the water came in was because it was sourced on the outside of your house. In other words, when you have heavy rain like that, your gutters become overwhelmed. They dump a lot of water right at the foundation, and then pretty soon the soil can't handle the water and it drains into the house. And so I'm sure this is what happened, and if you're only getting water when you have really heavy rain conditions like that, then you absolutely positively do not need to spend twenty plus thousand dollars on a system to pump water out of your basement. What you do need to do on a regular basis is to make sure first of all that your gutters are they, that they exist, that you have them, that they're clean, that the downspouts dump the water at least four to six feet away from the house, and even more than that, or run them through underground pipes and take them out. And then you're grading around the house, the angle of the soil slopes away. Those two things uh, will go a long way towards preventing any further wet basement problems. The, The problem with the waterproofers is this. They don't make money by selling you uh, gutter cleaning services and, and extending downspouts. They only make money when they come in with their jackhammers and tear up basement floors and put in drain tile and sump pumps. And they do it whether you need it or not. And in this case, you don't need it because you told me that this only happened when you had an extraordinary weather event like that. And that means you absolutely don't need that service. What you do need is to make sure your drainage conditions are set up on the outside of your house. Does that make sense? Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Saved another one from the uh, perils of the waterproofing contractor. If you, look at, if you look at our website, Leslie, and look at uh, all the articles I've written about this, and look at all the comments.
3: They're all from waterproofing contractors.
2: Oh, they hate me. Oh, they totally hate me because I take business away from them because I tell people the truth. They don't, you don't need sump pumps. You don't need drain tile. All you need is clean gutters. It's very, very simple.
3: Well, if you'd like to improve your outdoor space by adding an outdoor kitchen, a fire pit, grill enclosure, planter, or even a bench, there's a really easy way that you can do that with a product called RumbleStone. Now, RumbleStones, which are made by Pavestone, are rustic-looking stones that come in project kits, and you simply stack them together like Legos in a predetermined pattern to build all sorts of popular outdoor features. Now, RumbleStones make it fast and easy and affordable to upgrade your backyard with amenities like an outdoor kitchen, a fire pit, a bench. The kits start at 250 bucks, and they can also be used for traditional paver projects like patios, walls, and even landscape borders.
2: And if you want to strengthen that finished project, you can even use the QuickCrete Advanced Polymer Construction Adhesive between the stones so there's no mortar required. These Rumble Stones are a beautiful addition to your outdoor living space. Plus, right now, there's even a step-by-step video of a really cool outdoor kitchen topped with a Quickrete concrete countertop available online. Just head to YouTube and search How to Build an Outdoor Kitchen with Rumble Stone and Quickrete Concrete Mix, and it's all right there. Took a look at it today. It's about seven or eight minutes long. Very well done and very informative. If you'd like to learn more about all the things you can build with Pavestones Stone's Rumble Stone, visit PaveStone.com.
3: Kelly in Texas, you've got the money, but how can we help you today? Yeah, I have
4: a craftsman-style home, and it has ridge vents, but I had an energy audit just this spring, and the energy audit said, Kelly, you don't have any soffit vents in your yeah. around your eaves. Well, I don't really have eaves. All of my roof ends in these exposed rafters. It does have gables, and so he said, you need to vent this house, your house. Your attic is not probably ventilated because you don't have any way for the air to get in the bottom.
2: Okay, so you have no soffit. Is that correct? Basically, it terminates? That's correct. So here's the solution, okay? There's a type of vent called a drip edge vent. And what a drip edge vent does is it essentially extends the roof line by all of about two inches. And that two inch, it becomes an overhang at the edge, that provides the in ventilation for the soffit. So if you go to the website for airvent.com, it's the Air Vent Corporation, um, take a look uh, at the product selection there and look at the drip edge vent, and you'll see exactly what I mean. Now, to do this, you're going to end up taking off the bottom course of shingles and, and maybe even putting two shingles in its place because you're going to have to actually physically extend the roof by a couple of inches. But done right, you will install that soffit that you don't have and you won't notice it from the outside. So you're not going to physically notice a difference in terms of the architectural style of your house, but you will provide that uh, all-important space for intake ventilation. Okay.
3: Appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much for calling the Money Pit. Are you ready to add air conditioning to your home just in time for summer, but you're wondering what size you really need? Well, going too big can waste energy, and going too small just isn't going to handle the heat. We're going to share tips on how to pick the perfect size next.
5: You live in a Money
3: Pit.
1: is presented by Quickrete Fast-Setting Concrete Mix in the red bag. Make your next outdoor concrete project quick and easy. Creek Fast-Setting Concrete Mix. Look for it in the red bag.
2: Making good homes better. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: Call us right now with your home improvement question or post it online at moneypit.com.
3: That's right. Now, Anita in Illinois writes, I'm going to have to install a new central air conditioning system this year. How do I know what size to get for my 1,800 square foot single story
2: home? That's a great question, Anita, because I have found in the 20 years I spent as a home inspector that it was very common for the air conditioning size uh, installed in a home to be wrong. Now, it's usually too big, not too small, because, you know, I mean, folks want to be comfortable. Well,
3: I feel like people think bigger is better.
2: Right. But here's the problem. If you put a system in that's too big, a central air system that's too big, it short cycles. What that means is it comes on, it cools the air really fast then it goes off. And it comes on and cools all the air really fast and goes off. The problem with short cycling is, first of all, you use a lot more electricity. And second of all, it's not running long enough to take the humidity out of the air. And so your house becomes sort of cold and clammy, which is a really uncomfortable situation. And when it's damp like that, you can also grow mold. So how do you know what size? Well, start with a rule of thumb. Uh, 600 square feet of house for a ton. So 1,800-square-foot house, probably a three-ton. But you don't stop there. You need to figure out what your heat loss is. And this is not something that you can do. There are calculators online, but an HVAC Pro should be able to do it. Heat loss basically is a measure of how much air conditioning power you need to compensate for the amount of heat that will get into the house on an average summer day. And it depends a lot on things like your windows. Are they single-pane? Are they double-pane? Are they low E-glass? You know, uh, how much glass do you have facing the south and west sides of your house? How much insulation do you have? All of these things go into a heat loss calculation, and then you can determine exactly what you need. So my point to you would be, make sure this work is done. Don't just guess. And if somebody says, well... You know, I could put a three-ton in, but maybe you should go four. I mean, maybe that guy's just trying to sell you a bigger unit that you need. You're going to, like, curse it from the moment it gets turned on because you won't be comfortable. Just buy what you need, not too much, not too little, and you'll be very comfortable in those warm days.
3: Oh, and you'll be so thankful you have it. All right. Next up, Danielle in New Jersey has posted, I refinished my wood kitchen table years ago and had no problems with it. Recently, I sanded it and refinished it again. This time, I put on about four coats of an oil-based polyurethane and allowed a day of drying in between each coat. Now it sticks if anything warm sits on it. Coffee, cups, plates, everything. How do I fix it?
2: Ugh. Well... I think that uh, even though it says on the label that the polyurethane would dry like in you know a couple of hours, it's just not true. You really got to let polyurethane dry a couple of days at least, and just putting four coats on. First of all, you didn't need four coats; you really just needed two, especially since you were recoating something from before, even though you sanded it. And now you got it all built up there, and it's all gummed up. And I think that the under- underlying coats never really dried properly. I don't think they're ever going to dry. I tell you to take it all off. Take it all off and do it again. Uh, It's really the best way to go. You're really not going to be able to solve this any other way. I mean, if you want to try one thing, you could try using a paste wax on it, like a car wax, and see if that helps stop the stuff from sticking. But I suspect it won't. You're really going to have to take it down to the original wood, in uh, and reapply it
3: but the good news danielle is now you're a pro at it (laughs) shouldn't be too terrible
2: you're really good at it
3: uh, that really is the worst i'm so sorry danielle i know exactly how sucky that is but good luck it's going to be awesome
2: this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Thank you so much for stopping by. I hope we've given you some tips and advice on how to get those projects done around your house or on your to-do list. You can reach us through our social media channels, post your question on facebook.com slash Pit or ping us at Money Pit on Twitter, or you can call us 24-7 at 1-888-MONEYPIT. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: Remember, you can do it yourself.
3: But you don't have to do it alone.